to episode two of The Weekender. Hope everyone had a nice weekend. James, did you have a nice Easter? Yeah, it went alright, I guess. Went alright, lots of chocolate. A lot of chocolate, saw, lot of chocolate. Saw the big Campisi family come over to your house. Um, a lot of footy as well. Started on Thursday, went on till Monday. Uh, got Geelong's victory over Hawthorne. That's a big one that we'll be talking about tonight. Um, Melbourne's bad week, week from hell. Again. Kept going again and again. Um, a few previews to next week, so let's get straight into it. How about that, James? Straight into it. Ready to go. Ready to go. Ready to go, go. Riley. forward by Burgoyne. That's it. The Cats have won another thriller against the Hawks. <laughs> All right, so we start tonight's episode looking at uh, the traditional Easter Monday clash between Geelong and Hawthorne. It was another classic. They've put on some classics since that 2008 grand final, and Geelong, they, they got up again by two points, didn't they? In the wet as well. In the wet. That's a good half-foot win. But um, they were 18 points down at three-quarter time, and the J-Pod turned on that last quarter. Kicked by three goals out of four. Three of the four goals. They kicked four goals to nothing in that last quarter. And, I mean, again, question marks have to be raised over Hawthorne. They were 18 points up at three-quarter time. It's the it's the fifth time of those eight losses that they've been in front at three-quarter time and then gone on to lose. Are they chokers? We uh, heard Robo on AFL 360 last night say they were. What do you think? It's you can't. It choking. It's a big word. It's it a strong a word, word. But at the moment, you have to lean towards yes more than no. There's a kick in it though, so it could have gone either way. Buddy had chances. They all had chances. Hawthorne to finish off the game. That's, it's true, but that's the thing. They didn't take those chances, they didn't did take they? Those chances. So I mean, they. Well, as you said, they are close games. Six of the eight have been in single-digit figures. Four of those six have been decided by under a goal. So a kick goes in it. Again, when it's when it's under a goal, it's a kick in the game. One kick of the... But they were up by 18 points in the wet as well. That's hard to come back with. It's hard to come back. I I, I know what you mean. It's it hard just shows to... that Geelong are a quality side. They are a quality side. They never say die. Backs against the wall. We we were off them last week when they lost we to Shreya. We were off them last week. We said, what are they going to do from Norton 2? We thought, will they even make the four, let alone contend for the premiership? But... I mean, look at... We've written down four names here. And, James, you're going to take us to the first two. I mean, these four names that we're going to read out, they are quality, and in the wet yesterday, they came to the four. You've got got Jimmy Bartel, Norm Smith medalist, had 20 touches, eight tackles and two goals. That's what... That's a quality performance in the wet as well. That's what got Geelong back into the game, Jimmy Bartel. And you saw that last quarter as well. He he read the game so well. There's a couple of times when Geelong... When Hawthorne, sorry, had the ball at about centre half forward, and he just dropped back and played that last line defence where he took a couple of strong marks and just really didn't just stop Hawthorne's flow. And that's what that's what Hawthorne missed. They missed the Luke Hodge quarterback role in the in the back fifty. That's what they needed to win. So they severely missed Luke Hodge on the last night. And then we've also got Joel Salwood who had twenty four touches and eight tackles, and he had he, he got didn't he get concussed he got a couple, of, out a couple times, of times? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a regular occurrence now. It's Joel Selwood. He gets knocked out every week, doesn't he? But um, tough as nails in number of packs. Most of those 24 touches were contested. And then the two forwards, which I had down for Tom, uh, for Geelong, Tom Hawkins turned his career around that grand final last year. He did too. 
And yesterday, another absolutely fantastic game. He had 22 touches, 12 marks, eight of which were inside 50, and kicked three goals. Had the, one, had the 150 Supergoat points as well. Uh, was he in your Supergoat team? He wasn't. No? He wasn't mine. A bit overpriced. <laughs> but, um, and the last one, Podsy Adley, we've already talked about him. Kick five, last three of them, last three of the match, which really pretty much virtually won for Geelong in the In end. the wet as well. That's hard for a big man to... To a couple of key strong marks as well. So, um, and he's starting to build a reputation against Hawthorne, is Podsy Alley. I don't have his exact statistics, but he's kicking bags every week against them. We want to bring up a couple of points. At the other end, Hawthorne's forward 50, Buddy Franklin. The Skimmers. Had, the Skimmers. He had a couple of very good chances to win it. First one, about 10 minutes to go, from about 30 out, tried to roll it along the ground. On his own as well. On his own. Should have kicked it, but the last one really is more probably defining in the game. He 50 out on the run, skimmed it, didn't even make the distance, and Geelong ran out of defence, and it ended up pretty much winning the game for Geelong or losing it for Hawthorne. But you brought up a point. He went wide, didn't he? He went wide, but that that's sort of his natural arc, but he still went wide. So he's, he looks like he's trying to kick the miraculous goal to get, I don't know, to... Well, you did it in the grand final, not the grand final, the prelim last year. And you did it last week from the well, boundary. Finals. Yeah, exactly, but... In the wet, it's hard it's to... It's hard, especially, it's wet, it's windy, the breeze was swirling the whole time. You don't know why he's gone to the boundary line. And even the first one, he's kicked it from, thir- from 30, 30 35 out. out. Slight angle as well, not... It wasn't too... He could have kicked it straight through the, like, the sticks, but he's gone with the... Both times he should have kicked it post-height, shouldn't he? He should have kicked it post-height. And... It's almost cost Hawthorne the it end. It did cost him. It did cost him, sorry. But um, the first one, 30 out, he could have run another 15 metres. He could have. And drilled it from 15 he's metres He's got the out, pace. We saw it the other year against Cal Hooker. He's got the pace. Oh, it's, it must be frustrating for a Hawthorne fan. He's and Alistair Clarkson as well. Top, to top one, two players in the league. And he, oh, he's... You don't want to say inconsistent, because he is consistently good, but he is unpredictable. And that's what you get from Franklin, and it didn't paid off last week, didn't pay off this week. But, and it's really hurt Hawthorne, and Alistair Clarkson's comments after the game, he was not happy. He was ropeable. He said that uh, all claims that Hawthorne are premiership favourites are rubbish. He said they should be thrown out. He said there's daylight, and a lot of daylight between his side and Geelong. So he wasn't a happy chappy after the game. And he wasn't, uh, Paul Chapman was, but he wasn't. Um... <laughs> Having anything to say about that, he's he was furious. And so he should be, I'm going to say. 18 points at three-quarter time, and they've gone and choked like that. I don't like it. He doesn't like it. He, you said you weren't sold on Hawthorne last week, and oh, I'm not sure if you've got reason not to be still, but, I mean, it's a tough game. It's still a long year, though. It's long got year. plenty of time. Round two, they're still going to be up there. They'll be up there. Talking about choking, Freo. We talked them up a lot last week against Geelong. We always do. And they have proved consistently inconsistent throughout the last, throughout their existence, pretty much. And we've, I think we've called them way too early. What did you make of their first half on the weekend? 40 points down at half time. They were rubbish. They didn't look in it. They got dominated by Sydney. Sydney, to their credit, I think we might be underrating them. I think they were one of the sides we pretty much probably the second or third team we tipped to drop out. Yeah. I think maybe we've underrated them severely. I, they've got that will. They never give up. Sydney. Without Mumford. Mumford was a late uh, occlusion uh, on the weekend. So 
to have a good win against Frio, to be up at 40 points at half-time without one of the key players. And against especially the rock talents of, um, of Fremantle. With Sanderlands as well. Sanderlands, he, he had a good game, but they were too good in the end, Sydney. They got up by 13 points, I think. Fremantle kicks a lot of goals in the second half. Got it within a couple of kicks, but they... Sydney had it under control. They had it under control, you could always tell. And time was always running out for Sydney... Uh, for Fremantle, sorry, but... Sydney, I've... I think I'm wrong about them. They will make the top eight. They will make the top eight now. They will. I'm 100% certain of it. Freo, I'm not. I'm not convinced by Fremantle. Nah, it's far too early. It's too early to tell. It's too early to tell, but I'm going to go on record here and say, Sydney, they will make the eight. I'm 100% certain they will make the eight. That's a big goal. It's a big call. <laughs> it's a big goal, right? They're two and zip. It's hard to tell how they went last week against Great Western Sydney, but... And they do have a good couple game, couple next ten rounds. they got a good couple... They've got you a tell, very good you draw. tell me on the weekend. Yeah, they've got a very good draw. They could easily be 10-1, and 9-2 after 11 rounds. They've got a very, very good draw. Top four might be getting a bit ahead of myself, but, but they are a quality side who never go away, really. They're they, always, they're they're always they keep there. They keep the contested possessions. They keep the game tight, so it could be a kick in it. And Josh Kennedy, he's in fantastic form. I he saw... Is. A couple of Hawthorne fans asking for him back on the weekend. I'm sure they would love to play like him in the wet yesterday, but he he's having a stellar year so he far. Did. What did he have last week? He had a good 30 on his Good 30 off, last he? week. Got 36 this week. Dono, the midfield. I've got him in the, the weekender player of the year here. He's one of the host of players who's on five votes of the potential six. So he is an early Brownlow uh, <laughs> contender, is Josh Kennedy. But um, So, yeah, I definitely think Sydney is still in it. All right, so moving on. Um, round one saw three games decided by single-digit margins, and a lot of people in the media were suggesting that the gap between top and bottom was closing. But round two has just put a stop to that talk. It was four games decided by 90-plus points. Saw Carlton win by 91, West Coast by 108, Kangaroos by 129, and St Kilda by 92. James, is the gap widening or closing? No, you can't really say. You can't really say. It's too early. It's been round one, round two. It's... There's a big difference, though, between round one and round two, where the round one games were such a good quality. They were so close, and then round two, you've just got blowouts all over the place. Well, you can't... Gold Coast and GWS, that's expected. You, you can... GWS will be... They'll, get, they'll be getting punished 100 points by every team, you can basically say. Well, if your boys North manage to, I can just suggest everyone else will. <laughs> but um, there's trouble at Gold Coast. Shot There's Coast. very big trouble at Gold Coast. I've got, I've heard a very big rumor. A weekender exclusive. You can hear this one as a weekender <laughs> exclusive. I've got a very big rumor that Guy McKenna could be on his way out by the end of the season. Now, before the end of the season or by the end of the season? By the end of the season. I don't think that's fair for me. I don't think it's fair to sack a first first time coach. It's his first time he's coached a club. To sack him without not giving him enough time to develop these young players, these franchises, all that, in to elite athletes. But the reason I am not, um, I'm hearing these rumours is because he's not getting his established, experienced players that he's drafted from other clubs. These players like Harbrow, like Jared Brennan. I know Box injured, but these couple I've just mentioned, he's not getting them to perform at the level which is, was expected of them when he drafted them. Gary Ablett then came out on Sunday night after the game. He posted some very depressing Twitter comments about 
tough times, and uh, I think he even mentioned a couple of their established players not going too well. He then, I think, favourited a comment about wishing he could be at the game on Monday, wishing he could be on the big stage. Do you see problems brewing there? With Gary Ablett? With the club in general. Well, there's got to be problems. But it's far too early to say that Guy McKenna's going to be sacked. I'm backing you there. It's been, what, two years into his... Not league? even. It's been one, one, one year and two games. So Give him a chance to develop his players. You have to give him a chance. Who's going who's gonna to come in and do any better than he is? Exactly. He's got to have at least four to five years. And if they don't give him that, I think it's a step in the wrong direction for Gold give Coast. Give his players a couple pre-seasons to develop their body, get him to the elite like level, and maybe... Maybe from then on, for about four years, then you decide if you want him to go or keep him on. Exactly. I'm 100% with you there. Melbourne's bad week. It went from bad to worse. Bad to worse. Probably the worst week in the history of their club. And it topped off with a 108-point loss to West Coast. They looked demoralised. They looked, they looked out of it as they walked off the ground. They're gone, Melbourne. They're gone? They're gone. That bottom three as it stands at the moment, Melbourne in 16th, Gold Coast in 17th, Greater West in 18th, Greater West in Sydney in 18th, that won't change for the year. That won't? You don't reckon? I don't reckon they it will. They see Port, Richmond. I can see them doing a lot better than those three clubs. They, they're horrendous, Melbourne. They, the mix-ups in their defence, their general play around the ground. Just saw footage of James Frawley running, <laughs> running too far in the back. He ran a good 50 metres in his defence before he was pulled up. But uh, it's. Were there any positives for them on the weekend? Mitch Clark. I know you wrote him off last week. I've heard people say that by the end of the year he'll be the highest paid Casey player in the history. <laughs> Kicked five on the weekend, seven in two games. Not a bad return, but I mean, I don't even know if you can call that a positive in the end. After a 108 point loss. They are woeful. Woeful? They're a write off Melbourne. They are an absolute rabble. And I cannot see it getting better anytime soon. We talked about this next three to five years last week. They're gone. I'm sorry, Melbourne fans, but they are gone. 100%. Um, I suppose moving on to some better topics. Your boys, North Melbourne. Had a good win on the weekend. Had a good win on the weekend, but um, can't read too much into that. I mean, 129 points. It's a blowout. That's some good players. Ryan Bastardak impressed me a lot. 44 disposals, couple goals. He he was he was quality, and I've got to admit I haven't seen much of him, but I really took notice of him in the weekend. He stepped up, and I think Greater in Sydney they couldn't really do much because after I think Harvey had twenty two at half time, and then they locked down on him in the second half, and then Bastonat got away. So exactly. feel sorry for the Giants, but good win for North. Um, what do you so, think of Jack, Jeremy Cameron? The, he got the he, rising star this week. He is a quality player. He took some some big marks, kicked four four goals. Um. So he's a shining light in the loss. He, uh, he had a very good game. He was a target up front. Israel Farrell. Israel Farrell. Where do you see him? What do you reckon he's going to bring to AFL this season? Nothing. Nothing? Jack all, if I'm being honest with you. Because I've watched Carmichael Hunt last year very closely. The breakout game for Carmichael Hunt, that's not coming. That's not coming. It's not coming. So you've ridden off the NRL plays early. Falau might be different because we've seen him when he played for the Storm. I remember seeing him take a couple of good marks in the corners. But it's a whole new ball game. It's a whole new ball game now, and his positioning. I don't know if you noticed this, but I was watching him very closely in the second half in particular, and his positioning was poor. Every time he got the ball, he'd run to the player with the he'd run to the ball carrier. 
And he got frustrated they weren't passing to him, but what was, what do they expect yeah. when he's standing two metres away from calling for the ball? And they're, they're going to use it by foot. They're not going to handball it to him two metres away when he's going to be just under the same amount of pressure as they are. I mean, he got frustrated. But will he get dropped this year? Or will they keep him in the side? I think they'll do what they did with Carmichael Hunt last year. Keep him I think in they'll keep him in because he might draw a couple more crowds, a couple bigger numbers, but... Look, I can't see a breakout game coming for Hunt, as I said, and I'm not sure if we'll see one for Flau either. I'm not sure how long they'll stay in the game, but because we saw, I think, that um, Hunt was looking at going back. I've heard rumours of that as well. So we're not sure how long they'll stay in the game, but, I mean, it's, it's a wait-and-see project. And I, I want to see your opinions as well on Hobart. What do you think of Hobart? I, I liked it. From what I've heard, I've been reading Big Footy, that Big Footy forum. Yep. And a couple of the members on there, the North Melbourne members, said there was pack there. It was a good... 12,500. About that. Um, of the 16. And a lot of blue and white, which I A lot I of blue and white. And I enjoyed it. So, I, I liked watching that on, on Fox Footy. And Seeing the, the crowd in the background, packed, North Melbourne members everywhere. It's going to raise membership. We saw what Hawthorne did with it, and it's going to raise members for... For North. Um, and the Bloodstone, Bloodstone Arena Oval, that was in good quality as well. Yeah, so. it looks very nice. Um, and of course, I've heard that they, they only got, I think, 12,000 to the game of the 16 capacity on the weekend, but I've heard that the West Coast game is close to a sellout. The, yes, it was too. I've heard comments from James Brayshaw as well. Yeah. Say all the corporates sold out, everything's mostly gone. So, so that's very positive for North Melbourne. Positive for North Melbourne over there. Um, and the other blowout which we saw on the weekend that we haven't talked about, my boys Carlton. Oh, your boys Carlton. <laughs> Take it up. Um, 18 of the last 21 goals. Chris Judd, Mark Murphy, the duo, they turned it on. Eddie Betts took a couple of marks a year. Give him the car. Which Eddie, one I reckon, I reckon the first one. It's gone the first one. I've gone the first one. I know one. Bruce and Dennis and... Uh, they, were, they were all big on the second they one. They were big on the second one, but I like the first one. I reckon he got good airtime, managed to hang on to it on the way down. With a couple of juggling efforts, but I liked it. And, not Andy um, Walker, like not Andy Walker. Like. I couldn't be Andrew Walker's, <laughs> but not sure if he'll win the car because, of course, he is not a Collingwood player. <laughs> um, moving on to that preview for next week. Uh, what do you, you think of the matchup? Murphy, Judd, Pendle, Swan. That's before the most elite midfielders in the game. And I can't wait for it on Friday night at the G. You're heading there. I will be heading there. Uh, I'll be getting down. Um, I reckon we're a chance. I'm, I'm not going to... The lid is staying shut at the moment. But it's probably our best opportunity in a while that we've had of beating Collingwood. Now, I know you want to take the side of Pendlebury and Swan. I know you want to do that. Do you want to rattle off their statistics from last week? Well, they had... Tw- Pendlebury's had the 29 disposals, the 8 tackles, and Swan had 32 disposals. And, uh... uh what, did, what did Murphy and Judd have? Judd had 33 disposals, 6 tackles, and 3 goals. 3 Brownlow votes as well. You can pencil <laughs> that one in. And Murph had the 30 touches and two goals. It'll be a great contest. It has to be a great contest. What I remember from last year, um, Collingwood got up by 17 points uh, on a Saturday at the G. And what I remember from last year and remember and loved from last year is both Mick Moltenhouse and Brett Ratton said, no tags, go for it, play your free-flowing football. I think all four of them had over 30 touches on that day. You want to see that again this week? I reckon it would be a great, great match-up if all four of them don't have tags, they all run freely. I'm not sure to happen. I'm not sure you can lock down on any of them. I mean, they're very hard to tag, all of them. Henry's um, just has so much time. Swan, he just racks them up. They're both, hard to, they're both hard to tag, and same as Murph and Judd. I reckon the game will be decided in forward lines. I think 
they've got some injuries to their defence, Collingwood. I know Tarrant's out for the next four weeks with that injury he picked up against Richmond. But they've got some tall forwards, which I'm worried that Carlton won't be able to deal with. I know they've got Jamison and Diagon coming back into the side this weekend. My ball, Paul Bauer, does he, does he keep his spot? He will keep his spot. He's a fan favourite here at the weekend, who's Paul Bauer. <laughs> he had another great game on the weekend, 24 touches. He'll keep his spot, I think. Um, so Carlton has some selection issues going into that. But so do Collingwood in the other sense. Um, they'll keep bringing back a couple of players every week. Both form-wise, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell, is it? I know, I know the Carlton won by 91 points on the weekend. But being a Carlton fan, I watch them week in, week out. I still think they've got another extra gear which they can go to. And in the same sense, I think Collingwood really can step up another okay. couple of gears as well. They only just sh- shook off Richmond by 21 points on the weekend. But I think both sides have that extra gear they can go to. And if they can go to it, we're in for a ripper. We are in for Friday night at the G. You get a good 90,000 there. Uh, your tip, James? I'm gonna have to go with Collingwood. Will it be close? It has to be close. Judging from these, from the midfield four lines, it has to be close. I'm tipping Collingwood by about twenty, no, a bit, bit less, seven, eight, about seven, eight points, same as last year. What do you think? I despise myself for saying this, but I'm going to have to go agree with you there. You couldn't be tipping Collingwood, could you? I, I hate myself for doing it, but I think if they get to that extra gear, I think they've just got that touch extra class over Carlton across the board, I think. Look, in saying that, I think it's our best opportunity to beat them in a long time, but I'm going to tip Collingwood. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm going to do it by a point. That's all I can suggest. I'm going to do it by a point. Um, moving on to the next game we're looking at, Richmond-Melbourne. Uh, Saturday game, it's a big one. It's going to be a horrible match to watch. It's going to be very <laughs> Apologies to the fans, but... It has to be over. The, the, one, the team that loses that has to be over. Finals footy has to be off the cards for the loser of that game. Well, for Melbourne, I think finals footy's already off the cards for them. I think they shouldn't even be looking at the top eight yet. But for Richmond, I know a lot of their fans wanted them to make the eight. A lot of fans expected them to make the eight. And if they lose this weekend, their next two, they've got Geelong and then West Coast. They could be 0-5. Zero zero and, and you don't make eight, the top eight from being 0-5. and five. could be very costly. So this is a must-win game for Richmond if they have, want any chance to make the eight. It is. It, uh, it's a must-win game for different reasons for both clubs. Richmond to make the eight. Melbourne just to offer a little bit of hope. Yeah. A little bit of resistance that they're not going completely downhill. Your tip? Richard Richmond comfortably. Richmond comfortably. Um, and then Saturday night, we've got Dustin Fletcher's 350th. The old man going up against Gold the Gold Coast. Coast. Um, although, there has been some rumours that they will hold him back. Um, at Metricon Stadium, playing his 350th, it's not going to be the best, most ideal time for Essendon to implement that game. And they, I've heard a few rumours that... You can't um, hold him back, surely. They're going to hold him back for you Carlton You can't just rest him for the one game, bring him in for Carlton Essendon next week. You have to play him. Yeah, I know, but I saw, I heard James Heard do an interview on Saturday night, and he said if he pulls up sore, they will rest him. So, I mean, they've already got the sore card in the... Uh, general soreness. General soreness. <laughs> they've already got that card up their sleeve. So, I mean, I, I, I beg James Heard not to play him against Des- against Carlton in round four, but... Could happen regardless. If he does, it'll be our last time we'll do this before he has played. So good luck to Dustin if he does play on Saturday night. 
And then Sunday night's matches. The Twilight. The Twilight game, which I'm very intrigued about. Your boys North going up against the rampant Geelong. Do you think we're any chance? Do you think we're any chance? I give you more chance than it, than you'd have if it was at Skilled Stadium. As would I. But you've got Geelong. They've come off the grand final match. And they basically played a grand final on Monday. In the wet... Joel Sowell has been battered and bruised. A lot of sore bodies. Sore bodies. Then we've got, without Matthew Scarlett, then we've got, they're off a six-day break. We've got North coming off a training drill. Yeah. Against yep. GWS. They've been resting players on a Sunday. I reckon, I reckon give them a shot. Give them a shot. North will give them a shot on the weekend. Are you prepared to put your money where your mouth is and tip North Melbourne? I couldn't. I couldn't tip North Melbourne. You've given a rev up. And you but it'll be a close on. one. It'll be yep. a close one. I'm with you there. I think it will be closer than people think. For all um, the punters out there, back north of the line. <laughs> back north of the line. Uh, intriguingly enough, they've, the last couple of years, a lot of these North Geelong games have been played at Skilled. They have been And skilled. you've pushed them there. So, at a neutral... Well, not neutral, but at a more... Probably an easier ground for North to play at, at Etihad Stadium. Could be close, could be tight. This is North's test. This is North's test. Um... We said that they are a very half-decent finals chance. We just need to beat one of them top four sides. If we can beat one of them top four sides, then I reckon top eight is certainly on the cards. All right, so you're tipping Geelong? Tipping Geelong, happy. I'm going to be with you there, tipping Geelong as well. Um, Just about the end of our show now. Um, Go through the Weekender Player of the Year votes for this week. Of course, you can view them all online at theweekender.com. .wordpress.com or you can go onto the Facebook page and give it a like keep up with all the latest that's www.facebook.com forward slash the weekend blog uh, the voting Scott Penderbury has taken an early lead he's the only player at the moment on six votes from six games there's a host of players on five you can check them all out on the website James it's been lovely having you in again this week thank you Riley thank you uh, we look forward to this weekend's games there's a lot to talk about. Remember to tell your friends. Um, get people on board. We're looking for fans. We're looking for people to come in. If you're interested, give us, drop us a line. If you've got any questions for us, you can also post on the Facebook page or on the website. Just to, We'll be happy to answer them. Thanks again. Big weekend of footy coming up. Big weekend of footy just passed. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. And it all starts on Friday night with Carlton Collingwood. So we look forward to having you back next week. Once again, thank you for joining us and see you next week.